Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that. Look Just at the like time. That. The final hour is here. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Our uh, huge thanks to JP and Sibia for being in studio with us, previewing game two tonight in Houston for the World Series between the Braves and Astros. If you missed a portion of that, we invite you to go find the podcast wherever you download your podcast. Just search out Outkick 360. We're going to get some Titans uh, news you can use coming up in a matter of minutes. First, let's discuss the decision, and really no surprise, news out of Knoxville, first reported by On3 Sports. Uh, I know Trey Wallace has also uh, put out a story about at Outkick.com about Harrison Bailey entering the transfer portal uh third string quarterback at Tennessee hasn't been able to find the field even though there have been opportunities uh to put him ahead of Milton in certain situations he hasn't been able to find the field no surprise Chad that Harrison Bailey is going to transfer from Tennessee yeah probably the right move because clearly he's not uh you know what Josh Heupel wants in a quarterback and what he wants for this system so he can go find opportunities somewhere else uh you know smart I guess to do it during the bye week you know, make it this far in the season, but to make the decision the bye week that he's going to be headed somewhere else in the transfer portal. Um, Tennessee is very thin. I know Josh Heupel met with the media today and said, this is the thinnest team I've ever been a part of in all of my years of coaching. Um, he also said, but there's no asterisk at the end of the year. I'm not saying that to say anything. Right. He said, they don't look at that. You know, it doesn't matter. We got to make it work one way or the other. They have Taven Jackson coming in as a freshman next year. Hendon Hooker has the opportunity to come back for a super senior, I think, sixth year maybe, for his COVID year. Tennessee hopes that he does that, certainly. I don't think Joe Milton is going to stick around either if he's not assured the, the starting position. He'll probably look to transfer for a second time from Michigan to Tennessee then to somewhere else. Tennessee's going to have to the transfer portal again. Yeah, I mean, to have bodies at that position, you know, right now this is a very precarious spot for Tennessee, Hendon Hooker's already been banged up. Joe Milton got hurt earlier this season. Um, they've got to have – they've got two quarterbacks. I know they have some walk-ons behind those two guys, but in terms of bodies, they got to have someone that can run that position, and it's, it's definitely Hooker. And if Hooker goes down, it's got to be Milton because there's no one else behind them now. Brian Maurer transferred out. J.T. Shrout transferred out after last year. Jarrett Garantano transferred out. After last year, Maurer was this August. So, I mean, if Tennessee is going to, now the goal is at least get to a bowl game and get those two wins at the end of the year. If they have two minor injuries at that point and those guys can't go, you're trying to beat South Alabama and Vandy at the end of the year with a walk-on at quarterback because there's no other scholarship quarterbacks left at this point. Well, and what this says is, Bailey just can't run Heupel's offense. No, no. I mean, but uh, that's no surprise based on the style. Um, and I, I think you could argue that if if Heupel was willing to be more flexible with the style of offense, he could do something that would make make Bailey serviceable that would give you better option than what Joe Milton's giving you overthrowing guys by 30 yards. With all that being said, Heupel's not willing to budge on the pace of play and the style of the offense. 
That's why Milton is the backup after he was the starter and Bailey didn't see the field. I talked to some people that are around the program before the season and just asked about Bailey. You know, what's, what's the deal with Bailey? And most of them said, he's just too slow. Yeah. And I said, oh, you mean he doesn't run as well? as?" And he said, no, he's just too slow. Yeah, with just everything. All the around, the, his, his wind-up is a little yeah. too slow. Mechanics. Heupel doesn't like how true. quickly he processes things. And so much of Heupel's offense is built on choice routes. First time we saw it go south was uh, Saturday night where the second interception here for Hooker was because Javante Payton yeah. went down the field and he thought he was going to stop at the – and it was an easy interception. He thought he was stopping at the sticks. There's a lot of eye contact. There's a lot of the defense is doing this, my guy's going to do this. And a trust you have to have with that. And the quarterback has to read it and see it quickly. That's why they're getting rid of the ball so quick on certain plays. And I guess it just didn't mesh well with what Harrison Bailey does. I understand they're thin and all of that. I understand you're not expecting two quarterback injuries, but don't you? Aren't you obligated to have a third option? Well, that's, aren't you that's obligated Bailey. to stack things? Well, a, a third option who wants to be on the roster understands well, how, his role, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know how you. I mean, what what? I don't know what the solution is. This isn't the NFL where you go sign someone. The only way to I mean, have Brian Maurer left because he clearly wasn't going to start. You know, guys want to start. I know, but you know what I'm saying. There are third quarterbacks on rosters. Everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I can go look it up right yeah. now. I mean, yeah, they've got walk-ons. Walk-ons are that, graduate but. assistants who can play in South Carolina. I mean, if if you want to go that route, then you're Dan Mullen in Florida, where you're you're seesawing two quarterbacks to keep both happy. You're placating. No, so I don't. The, I don't the guys want that. Don't I don't want that. Board. But. You know what I'm saying. You, you've got to, you've got to, I, and I hate the massaging it part. I, I hate the massaging it part. I don't want the massaging it part to be important, but behind the scenes, you've got to have a contingency plan that keeps you afloat in case of emergency. Yeah. I mean, I so think the contingency the, plan is, is the walk on. They're going to either run uh, a receiver and run the option. And snap it to them, or you bring in a walk-on and, and see what they can. I mean, Grant Furking's the quarterback look, at Tennessee. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Grant Furking, I'm sure, probably played a little quarterback yeah. in uh, Georgia and high school also. I mean, it's surpri- is it not somewhat surprising that this deep into the season you can't get him to stick around for four more games? Uh, no, well, no. I mean, it's not. Look, I, <laughs> again, I, Heifel inherited a mess. Like, there's a reason that he's getting yeah. talked about SEC Coach of the Year because they lost more than 20 transfers, and they're – 17 under the scholarship limit. Now is he I think right now and they're doing some things with very limited depth. Now correct me if I'm wrong. Can, can't you be in the portal and be on the sideline? Um I feel like I have seen this in like the Conference USA. Two I mean there, there are the 2000 there're like 2000 kids in the portal. So Yeah, I think he's I mean I know he, he, that's him saying I'm mentally checked out I'm moving on. But uh, to his to his point Paul He's got to kind of get his name in the water. You know, you got to float this out there to let colleges know as they're about to have signing day next uh, in a month, uh, six weeks from now. Yeah, I get that. I mean, he's he, has not, to, he has to let colleges know that he's available. I think he could stay in school and finish out the semester, which he probably will, but he's not going to be around the program. Once you enter that portal, he's yeah, out. Yeah, and I, 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 this is an understanding with coach and player that, you know, uh, just willing to part ways, shake hands, and move on. But, my, my point is, it's not like he's making a decision that Heupel probably didn't see coming. If, I mean, if Heupel saw well, I, this I coming and was, was afraid of this, then you put him in whenever you had the opportunity to... Uh, clean up. To, to, yeah, yeah, just to clean up a couple snaps. 
Or instead of going back to Milton, you put Bailey in to see what he's got, right? That, that, that's the only – or you include him in some conversation leading up to a week where Hooker ends up playing in Alabama anyway. We like to go uh, deep on this show, right? We go really deep at times. Yeah. Um, Tennessee's walk-on options at quarterback, now their third-string quarterback – one is a guy named Gaston Moore, who is a six foot two, two hundred pound redshirt freshman, who transferred in from UCF, who was a player at UCF under Josh Heupel. I don't know if he was a walk on. I can't get a lot of info about him. He's from Hilton Head, South Carolina, originally. And uh, the other option is Sully McDermott. Oh, Sully, who is another walk on freshman. Gaston and Sully, who is six three, two thirty five. And uh, I'm not even kidding you. You go to his University of Tennessee bio page, and there is no bio. <laughs> There's yes. nothing. They're keeping yes. him under wraps. Mystery man. I, I, they I don't should... want anyone to know about this guy because he is the secret weapon. Let's also point this out, too. Um, this, this can also be a mutual decision that doesn't hurt Heupel because you're also, to Chad's point, you're also hitting the portal to – I think it's a crucial year that the transfer – portal for Heupel is very sexy and appealing to players. I think they have to hit another home run. Yeah. Yeah. And you, to what he, what Chad's saying, you're going to be going down the portal again for a quarterback. And now you're, 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 they're surveying the same way that Harrison Bailey is putting his name out there to be surveyed. So yeah, it's kids, kids know what's available and what's not in the systems that work. Yes, no doubt about it. So uh, Gaston Moore, by the way, he was uh, a preferred walk-on at UCF. I'm reading an article where his high school coach says he was a bit of a a late bloomer Mm -hmm. in his total development. Went to UCF because he loved Alex Golish, their offensive coordinator and tight ends coach, and followed him to Tennessee. Uh, His high school coach says he is a straight pocket passer. Said the kid can absolutely spin it, and he runs just well enough to keep you honest and said that they liked his quick processing ability at UCF, and that's why he followed those coaches to Tennessee. So again, this is what you're down to, though, is Gaston Moore, a true freshman who was a walk-on player, preferred walk-on, who transferred from UCF to Tennessee when Josh Heupel took the job at Tennessee. Well, you would expect one of the two to be healthy. And I will say, all the talk about Joe Milton, I'd prefer Joe Milton to that option. <laughs> if if Hinton Hooker goes down, I am solidly in Joe Milton's camp. If it's him or Gaston Moore, uh, the freshman walk-on. Coming up this weekend, Outkick the Tailgate. We will be live Saturday morning, 8 o'clock Central, 9 o'clock Eastern. Uh, we'll be live in Jacksonville for the world's largest cocktail party. They call it the Tailgate Party now. and I'm Chad, I don't know if you're with me, but I just still refer to Florida, Georgia, as the cocktail party in Jacksonville. We're looking forward to... Yeah, what do they call it now? They call it something The world's different? largest tailgate party. Because cocktail is, is not approved? I guess they did not want to promote underage drinking to college kids or something. I, I don't know. And they're all going to stop. Based on that change, there's no alcohol this was a, there This was a while ago that yeah. they changed it. Well, it's it's cocktail party on our show. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care about the rest of them. I mean, we're out kick. It'll be the world's largest cocktail party well, because that's what God in America knows it as. Well, that's how Not I refer to I've always thought of the rivalry as that. You know, I mean, are they going to kick us off the side if we call it the world's largest cocktail party? No. I, I think Go they ahead would and test they would, them out. They would love to market this There's as that. There's going to be a bunch of the, old Florida fans behind us in RV drinking gin and tonics at 8 a.m. We're calling it a cocktail party. You're not party. talking about the kids. You're we'll, talking about the alum. Right. We'll be there live uh, for the uh, I'll, I'll Kick the Tailgate. Myself, Chad, Jill Savage, uh, Clay, on site, 8 o'clock Central. 
9 o'clock Eastern, previewing all the big games across the SEC and Top 25, a big weekend of college football. Uh, we will also, of course, preview Georgia and Florida that takes place in Jacksonville. Uh, Chad's headed down to an event there tomorrow um, with uh, a couple of things that we have going on all weekend. Uh, really looking forward to it. Follow us on Twitter at Outkick360. Cocktail time with that event also. I think so, yes. It's it's a big cocktail weekend. I think so, yes. uh, I've already put together my top 10 games of the week, which I know we'll get to uh, later this week. And um, I sent it to Ellie, our production assistant, almost in what is code, because I just went through the times and just started jotting games down that interest me, and it ended up being exactly ten games. Nice. By the actually, it was nine. I had to add one on the end when I went straight to the times. But then I just labeled them. Uh, this is the list. The first one I saw: one, six, three, two, five, seven, four, eight, nine, ten. I feel like I'm in the episode of Lost. It's like a code with all the yeah, numbers. We have to go to the alpha. And I now. and I, I just sent it to Ellie and I said, "Do you understand what happened here?" And she immediately responded, and "said Yes, I, I get it. I know this what is, you did." Now this is Chad in prison as he fishes down the line to uh, cipher a, a decoded message uh, from us that we've sent from the outside. This is me when I turn full Howard Hughes uh, and just start uh, muttering numbers over and over and saying lines of sentences constantly. This is what's to come. Uh, Mike Wilson, one of the writers for the Knoxville News Sentinel, uh, tweets this out. This is crazy to think about in this, in this frame. Tennessee now has had five quarterbacks enter the transfer portal since 2020. That's nuts. What well, you, Caden Salter, someone brought up on our YouTube chat, Caden Salter was another one, big-time prospect from Tech. He got kicked off the team by Josh Heupel because of repeated Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Problems. Man, that feels like two years ago. Yeah, I, I completely forgot For about Caden Salter. For a stretch, he was going to be the answer. Where is Caden Salter? Did he find a school to go to? He did. Did he go to Liberty? No, he went somewhere in Texas. Liberty, you freeze Liberty, all about second chances. Liberty. I think we, we discussed on the show that he should go to Liberty. He's at Liberty. Oh, he is at Liberty. Yeah, wow. Hutton found him a school. Caden Salter is a Liberty quarterback. What's his, uh, has he played? Can you tell based on that uh, profile? Uh, no. Okay. Does not look like it. Well, Malik Willis his is their starting quarterback. He's a possible first yeah, round pick. Maybe we'll see him, and you know, they're probably not playing him. Maybe we'll see him as they take on Ole Miss in a couple weeks. Ole Miss Liberty. It's a big game. Huge game for Old Liberty. Big game in Indianapolis this week in week eight for the NFL slate. The Titans at the Colts. Massive game for Indy. Because right now, as they look at the standings, with a win over the Titans, the Titans would only lead by one game in the AFC South. Considering the the terrible start by the Colts, starting 0-3, losing to the Titans already on the road, and by week eight, a chance to be within a game, despite the Titans beating the Chiefs and the Bills. Like, if we previewed this scenario back in August, there's no way we would have said the Colts would have been within a game by the end of Week 8. They can be. And the Titans discussed the importance of that. I know Vrabel did. Uh, We'll discuss what Tannehill had to say. Paul, you spoke with Jeffrey Simmons, among others, today. We will get into all the details and preview the matchups for Week 8. Titans and Colts next on OutKick 360. You can follow us there. You can hit us with your primary complaint using the hashtag primary complaint at Outkick360 on Twitter. Uh, same goes for uh, Instagram on Facebook as well. YouTube, search us out. We hope you'll subscribe. Ring the bell 
which is located right there on the channel, and then it alerts you every time we go live, and it alerts you when we post fresh content or clips from the show, both here and on Saturday with OutKick, the tailgate. Um, Paul, you uh, have some news and notes with the Titans as they begin preparations today uh, for the Colts, and they have released their injury report, the first of three this week. Yeah, well, Taylor Lewan, uh, easing his way out of concussion protocol at the very least, was full participant today. So I imagine there are uh, tests still to be passed. But that, that's I think there's, big news. That's the last phase of concussion protocol, is you go back to practice and then they monitor how, how you, you handle it, it the next day, yeah. right? Uh, and Kendall Lamb, who was his replacement, who got knocked out with a, with a sprained ankle, was also a full participant, so they're looking good there. Uh, Bobby Hart has a chest injury. He was the replacement of the replacement, and he was a limited participant. Um, A.J. Brown was a limited participant because of rest. Out. Blasting game, Dupree, Hooker, Jackson, Julio Jones, Monty Rice, Chester Rogers. Roger Saffold had the day off. Newly on the injury report, Tier Tart with the groin, who was also out. So the list is still long. On the other side, T.Y. Hilton with the quad did not practice. So uh, and Jonathan Taylor was limited with the with a rib injury. So um, still a lot of guys on there for the Titans that are big factors. And and you hate to see a new guy crop on there like Tier Tart, who uh, who's been a reliable, steady guy. And then you think, oh well, certain people are getting healthy, and then all of a sudden somebody new crops on there. Uh, which is not not the pattern that you want if you're following and rooting for the tight. Um, Quentin Nelson is back in the lineup for the Colts. He he went down against the Titans in Week Three, and then went to injured reserve. I believe that's right. Yeah, I think so. for three weeks, and then came back. Um, so he is back, and he will be facing Jeffrey Simmons. He's a big tone setter, obviously Nelson, and this should be if if they both be on the field, the premier. AFC South tone setting matchup and a physical uh, physical game between two teams that that know each other well that contend for the division this is a crucial game obviously for the Colts and really when you talk about the difference for the Titans win or lose it's a crucial game for the Titans Kevin Byard went so far as to call it a must win today Jeffrey Simmons talked about Quentin Nelson today and I thought it was interesting what he had to say we've got it here I look um, forward to going against other great players in this game. You know, it's, I think that's the first step of trying to take your game to the next level. Playing great against great, great, um, like great players, I should say. Um, you know, a lot of people, and I, like of course their team, um, the coach have a lot of faith in him. That's why they run the ball behind him a lot. So just being able to go against him, you know, we had our battles, we had our fair share for sure. But you know, like I said, this game here gonna come down to. I mean, we want to just um, point out us to like who's going to be the more physical um, guy, me or him. And, you know, I don't plan on losing that battle. So, I love that. I mean, that that is uh, that's going to be alpha against alpha. That's a great line from him. And hey, I love what Kevin Byard said about going as far as to say it's a must win because the Colts are going to treat it like a must win because it is for them to stay alive in the division, and the Titans need to treat it the same way. Well, just think it needs of to be one of those games difference. where both play with a lot of urgency. Like, this is it, because Titans win it. I think that's it for the division, sweeping them this early in the season, that big of a lead. But the Colts are thinking, we're right back. We are right back. Yep. If we can win this game and our season is on the line, 
I love that Kevin Byard said that because that's how the Titans need to approach it. I kind of have trouble getting my brain around the difference between winning and losing. You you lose if you're the Titans. It's one game difference with the tiebreaker as a wash with the split. You win, and it's a three-game difference that's really a four-game yep. difference because you've swept, so you have the tiebreaker in hand. So one game difference to a four if game you win this difference. Game, it's it a is three ex- game. Oh, it is extremely hard. Three games hard. worth in the standing. If you win the game, it is extremely hard to lose the division. If you're the Tennessee Titans, it's you really have that, to tank. It's, yeah. Oh, or you have a catastrophic injury to yeah. like Tannehill and Henry in the same game. Like yeah. it, it would take something crazy for the Colts to be able to come back and win the division. Which is why, look, nothing's ever easy in the league, right? No, it's so never, having it a never three, works out easy. So having a virtually a four-game lead in your division before November <laughs> is really unheard of. I mean, the Patriots didn't have that when they were coasting in the, in the AFC East on a regular basis. I have a real hard time picturing the Tennessee Titans walking out of Indianapolis with that level of a lead. It's hard to comprehend how well set up the Titans will be if they win this game. You're right. And That's why I'm having November. trouble picturing them winning it. I mean, consider this. they With a win and what we're saying, at worst, they're a four seed. At worst. Yeah, they're playing a home game. Well, yeah. they're playing a home game. You win the division, you're playing a home game. But I'm so. saying that they, w- they would be the four seed with the, you know, the worst division record as the winner gets the four. Yeah. And, so, and I mean, again, that, that's, I, that's huge. I rolled through the last three games earlier, but I mean, go to starting December 12th for mm. the Titans. If, if they could take the four-game lead right now, I mean, and the Colts, the end of their season is tough. Jacksonville at home, at Pittsburgh, San Francisco at home, Miami at Houston. And at Pittsburgh is not the fearsome trip it used to be. I'm not, I'm not saying it's pushover. I mean, at Pittsburgh is at Pittsburgh, but it's not what it was I mean, in the days of, Pittsburgh, of the AFC I'm, Central. I'm stealing a line from Mike Tomlin right now and say, never say never, but never. The Titans would never blow that division with that schedule at the end of the year and a four-game lead after this game. It's over if they beat the Colts on Sunday. But there is no should way. They raise but there, there should are, they raise a flag? Should they raise a banner? We should throw a second parade after the Braves win the World Series. We'll do an AFC South parade around six. <laughs> should we, should we have a banner there. made and raise it here over the TV? I don't know. Are we all going to wear costumes E-Hulk? also when we do this on Halloween? We're going to come in on Monday and wear our, our favorite costume? <laughs> well, Hud's going to be Luke Skywalker. <laughs> Running around in a parade on Sunday. It's going to be this great. This is a Colts team that's won three of the last four. And they, that considering what it could mean for the Titans, this is a lifeline for the Colts to win. Like this is, they went to San Francisco, came back with a win on the flight back up. I don't know if the coaches sit in the front or if they sit in the back with, with the Colts. The Titans coaches sit in the front of the plane. Coaches sit in the front of the plane. They're discussing the matchups for the upcoming week, knowing exactly the the what what you're facing in the division right knowing that it's always for whatever reason titans and colts and indy is magnified and normally the colts have had the better play there but the colts have to be thinking okay we have weathered the storm Wentz is back to being a version of what we signed him to be and now we have a bell cow in the backfield running behind a stout offensive line jonathan taylor is rattled off 100-yard games in this, these three wins of the four games. I mean, he's he's carrying he's their legit. offense and setting the tone. Michael Pittman is coming alive and becoming a, a legitimate star in the division uh, because of his consistency. T.Y. Hilton, although he didn't play in the, the deluge, 
in the the swamp like conditions out in San Francisco. He's probably playing this week. What's his? He didn't practice today. Hilton. Yeah. Yeah. Did not practice with a quad. So he didn't practice today. But you're getting guys back, and you're thinking, okay, we're, we've weathered the storm. Now let's get within a game of the division. And truly, it's all hands on deck this week in Indy. It's a massive game for them at Lucas Oil Stadium. And for as big as what it could be for the Titans, this is everything for Indy for a chance to win the division. Doesn't mean they can't be a wild card team. But Paul, even that would be hard. It's it's hard. It would be. Uh, it, it's it's difficult to see how they don't empty the you know empty the barrel against the Titans. And I week. complain about the the scheduling. I, I I still don't like finishing a season series um, between two top teams in a division that we're clearly going to be the top teams in a division um, on Halloween. But they've uh, the league's effectively created a playoff matchup at the end of October. So I don't know. I mean, is it a bad thing for the end of the season? Maybe. Is it a great thing at the end of October? I mean, it's pretty, uh, this, we've laid out the stakes. It's a, it's a <laughs> massive game for the end of October. It's great for the Titans if they win it. Well, <laughs> I mean, if they that's win, the easy way to put it, right? If they win, they have entered this upper echelon of the, of the AFC where they're battling for the number one seed. That's what, that's what a win means. It means home field advantage throughout the postseason. Uh, you're, you're, you're in striking distance of that. That's what you would be playing for over the back half of the season. Because again, a three-game lead with a tiebreaker over the Colts, meaning it's a four-game lead no matter what happens. You're At worst, you're a four. Now can you gain home-field advantage at yeah. Nissan Stadium? And you don't have to get the, the one necessarily. I mean, the one is obviously of supreme value giving you the week off. Yes. But, you know. This team could use it. Yeah. But take it too, you know. You take a two and somebody else knocks off the one in in the second weekend and you're home too for the championship game conceivable. I mean, there are all kinds of scenarios that stack up beautifully for you when you have this kind of lead and then you're just playing for playoff positioning and you don't have to worry about the division. Uh, it's unheard of in, in the history of this team to, to, to you know, be clinch, uh, effectively clinching a division uh, so, so, so early. I wonder how much of um, – we're talking about this is a throw-it-all-out-there game for the Colts. How much of the throwback on the kickoff return, the trick play, similar to what Vrabel was throwing out there a little bit against the Bills on Monday Night Football, how much of that are we going to see from the Colts I don't, in this game? I don't think they go into it planning that because I don't think in, the first, in the first matchup – yeah, I think in the first matchup they looked at that thinking we had a, we had a crippled quarterback who couldn't move and – you know, they were, they were hobbled. They lost Quentin Nelson in that game early. And they were still within striking distance because still the Titans right there. turned it over three times. They picked off Tannehill, what, twice in that game. Somehow the Titans still won that game because of the, the Colts weren't capable of grabbing a game that the Titans were willing to hand to them. And really, that's, that's, therein lies the difference in the Titans in week three to the Titans going into week eight. They are not turning over the football anymore. And aside from, you know, getting A.J. back and having the explosion and you have Julio's the number two and you have, you have that group that, that you signed in the offseason playing really well in the defensive line uh, with the pass rush. Uh, aside from that, it's the turnover ratio. That, that's where the Titans have flipped it. And they've also really controlled the clock in these games over Buffalo and, and, and Kansas City. If you take the fourth quarter against Buffalo plus the first half on Sunday – they had the ball 
for 33 minutes and 48 seconds of a possible 45 minutes, which is just insane. I mean, how they, they flipped it and just did their thing and then started it again against Kansas City. For the season, they are possessing the ball for over three minutes per drive. That's on average. And that's second best only to Buffalo, who they kept the ball away from in the fourth quarter uh, in, on Monday Night Football. That, that is excellent. Am I, am I crazy to think in that period, too, they weren't like overbearingly Derrick Henry reliant? They were somewhat balanced in the, in the period of time that you're talking about, throwing, oh, throwing yeah. I mean, the they, ball effectively as well. They had uh, This uh, wasn't just Henry, ground and pound. Henry had 20 total carries against the Bills. He had 27, Nine. 29, 29 against the Chiefs, and I don't, don't remember or recall how many in the first half that I'm talking about there, but yeah, I mean, they, they, they came out and play action. And uh, threw to AJ on the first play of the game. So I, they, they are hitting on all cylinders now. And I think Vrabel pointed that out today about the, the turnover ratio a bit, where it's gotten a, a lot better. Um, think about what AJ meant to the game against the Chiefs. Because early on in the game, before it was a blowout, before we knew that Mahomes and the Chiefs offense just didn't bring it, he had that 46-yard reception and then the 24-yard touchdown on the great throw from Tannehill where he turned around and boxed the guy out and then made the toe tap. Both were great throws, by the way. That was on a 97-yard drive that made the game 14 nothing, and really pressed the, the pedal to the metal, so to speak, on a Chiefs offense that couldn't get going. That, that was the drive of the season so far. The fourteen nothing ninety seven yard drive, yep. where AJ came to life. He was he came to life in the second half against the Bills, and then from the jump, he hit Kansas City in the mouth. That's the difference, and that's the drive of the season. It's just so clear when you see a performance like that. And I went back yesterday and said, really, from the first snap of the game on offense, the play action to Derrick Henry, and the ten yard pass to AJ Brown set the tone for everything. But games like that, Paul, illuminates. It is Derrick Henry's team. He's the engine. But they're not the Titans, the good Titans, unless A.J. Brown is a big contributor also. And it's not just both of them healthy and available. It's both of them being themselves. When they're both being themselves in the game from a production standpoint, that offense is fun to watch. Yeah. And on the other side now, they've balanced it out. These last two games, they have seven sacks. This is where I'm kind of concerned for them because I feel like Somehow the Colts will have a plan to slow that down. We talked about pass attempts. I think Wentz will throw the ball fewer times in this game, giving the pass rush fewer times, uh, to, fewer times to go at it. I think um, you know when you see a team sacking the quarterback a lot, you you plan for ways for that not to happen, like the Titans have done with Tannehill getting sacked less. Right, the Titans were yeah. getting sacked a lot, and they've adjusted and made. You talked about Tannehill getting rid of the ball the fastest that he has in some time. Uh, Colts have some good offensive line pieces, starting with Nelson. One thing that works in their favor here, Autry was really pissed off about the Colts not re-signing him. He's played against his team one time, but he hasn't gone back to Indianapolis yet. Um, He will be steamed and fired up, and he's been terrific um, over the whole body of work, but particularly the last couple of weeks, just active and he's long and big. Um, it's not too often where you see a guy in a three, four, who's an end and, uh, and can line up kind of as your outside backer edge. 
and he's been doing that some. So I think he's a pivotal guy in this game. What can he do against his former team? He knows some of these guys on that line yep. and has worked against them in training camp. So there'll be a little bit of a chess match going on there. But how much can he be a factor in this game and, and tip off some of his guys? Um, I think that's going to be an interesting thing to watch uh, while Jeffrey Simmons is talking about him and against uh, Nelson. So let's discuss worst-case scenario just real quick. Titans lose an Indy this week, right? They, they, we, we know what it means for Indy. Indy's about to host three straight games at Lucas Oil Stadium. The Titans go from Indy to L.A., correct? Yes, tough one. Rams. On Sunday so, uh, night football. The Colts have the Jets. And then they host the Saints, um, the Titans. So they go from Indy to L.A. on Sunday night football, back to uh, Nashville in a short week, because they're not going to get back after Sunday night football until Crack early uh, Monday morning. Um, and then you get going for the week there. Saints at home, and then you host the Texans before visiting New England. So it's a, it's a tough stretch if they lose this week, but if you win this week, the Sunday night game and then the, the quick turnaround for the Saints, an unfamiliar opponent, doesn't impact you as much with the NFC matchup. And there'll be some shot. If they win this game, based on the things we're talking about, look how angelic I look. Um, it's the golden hour. Yeah, they'll be Tennessee Power Hour is also the golden hour. We have, yeah. a, we have for those listening on the radio. Yeah, uh, on Sports Radio one hundred four point seven, we have uh, a glare, a, a sunshine glare coming off one of the hotels. It's the Jimmy Buffett Margarita every hotel. day at this time, and it bounces off of the hotel and then into our studio. Boomerangs into our faces, and I, I stay in the darkness. The they have me time. still putting. Uh, 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 it's going to be another six months. Still putting sunscreen on my uh, eye yes. repair. And it's for occasions like this. It's not like they think I'm out uh, sunbathing. It's for, for, <laughs> for secondhand sun like this. Where were we? I, I Your eye's distract. looking better, by the way. Looks yeah, good. it's doing pretty well. I'm glad I don't have to answer a question every day in the YouTube chat about, did someone finally punch Paul? Yeah, we're going to move on to my head soon. We'll have a whole other round of questions. <laughs> well, we were talking defensive line, Autry, and then I, I veered off to just worst-case scenario oh, with, with uh, They talk about national attention and stuff. They win this game and have that lead oh, over the Colts, and to. they're on Sunday night football. Right. There's going to be some shine on the Titans. No doubt. Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth and Mike Tirico – uh, there's going to be plenty of shine on the Titans then. Another reason it's hard for me to imagine them beating the Colts. If they come out with the first half that they had against Kansas City, they'll be just fine. And, and here's the reason why. We're going to detail the matchups and keys to the game over the next couple of days. But in the first half, 19, this is against Kansas City last week, 19 first downs, 277 total offensive yards. They were 6 of 7 on third down. And here's the key. They possessed the ball for 23 minutes and 16 seconds. That is the best time of possession by any team in the league all year in a first half across the National Football League. And they scored what, 24 or all 27? 27. 20, yep. 27 nothing a halftime. Yeah, it got shut out in the second half. They couldn't move. <laughs> they couldn't get down into the end zone. Couldn't even get a field goal. Well, the the key of the in the third quarter, yeah, uh, the, the Chiefs had a long drive and then had to settle for a field goal. The Titans fan complaint about national media would be that <laughs> national media will go into this game against the Colts saying, 
How do the Titans bounce back after a scoreless second half against the Chiefs? <laughs> We're going to see if the Titans can bounce back after not scoring a single point in the I, second half. I honestly think the national media did the Titans square off that game. I thought yeah. that they, they yeah. handled both stories. What's wrong with the Chiefs and look at the Titans coming on. Uh, and oftentimes they don't handle both stories. But I think the Titans got their fair shake there. Now I think Titans fans need to not look at power rankings. Look, I was part of ESPN's power rankings. I love power for, rankings for though. nine years. I love looking at power rankings. But it's you, fun. You go and look. I think the Titans and ESPNs were ninth, and the Bills are fifth. And you go to the head-to-head, and you wonder how it happens. And if you're going to let it drive you crazy, don't open the file. I went and saw your boy Pete Prisco. I, I read his power cheat, ranking every cheat, week. Cheat, Pete. I love that guy. Uh, but at, at CBS, right? Yeah. Where Pete, I, so I go he, every week to see that. I'm guessing he's a non-believer. Well, it's weird because he's got the Titans like 10th or somewhere like right around 9, 10, 11. But then in the description, what the Titans look like they did with A.J. Brown healthy, they could win the Super Bowl. Yeah, right. I'm thinking, But he hasn't had time to move them up enough yet. Yeah. Well, Here's the to worst. me, it's totally fair to have them around 10. I mean, they have right. the best back-to-back wins of any of these contenders in the AFC. Five of the top ten, the top five teams are in the NFC. Let's just start there. Yep. You're going to live. So so then you're finally getting to the AFC. And if you want to argue where the Titans are placed, consider that they have back-to-back wins over the Bills and Chiefs. They also have the worst loss of any of these. Yeah, the worst loss in the league. And you could fairly, based on just on the standings, have them behind Cincinnati and Las Vegas. And that's that's on a – then Cincinnati has two wins on the road in the division at Pittsburgh, at Baltimore, who is very highly rated and all these – power ranking so and you can also have behind the charges they are right a, a hell of a three by the way to wings. be fair to pete he does have the titans behind the bills which many do even though the titans beat them head to head but you've got five nfc teams then you've got bills cincinnati at seven titans at eight and then he's got ravens chargers raiders all teams with two losses, just like the Titans, behind the Titans. That's fair. Here's the worst he's piece of them, He's got them ahead of the group, for the most part, except for Cincinnati, ahead of that group at two losses. And none, of the, none of those AFC teams should be ahead of any of the top five NFC teams. It's yeah. a power five in the NFC. Here's the worst piece of national commentary I saw about the Titans. Stephen A. Smith, shockingly, who said, you know, they'll get in the playoffs and they might win one game, but then here's why they lose. Match their quarterback against any of the quarterbacks you're going to see in the playoffs. Ryan Tannehill against Lamar Jackson. No. Ryan Tannehill against Josh Allen. No. Ryan Tannehill against Patrick Mahomes. No. And I'm thinking, he just beat Josh Allen, and he just beat Patrick Mahomes head-to-head. The reason you're talking about the Titans now on your show is because the Titans just beat the Bills and the Chiefs back-to-back, yet you're saying in the playoffs – Ryan Tannehill has no chance against those two quarterbacks head-to-head. Now, it's nonsensical what you're to saying. To Stephen A's defense, the last two times he played Mahomes and Lamar Jackson in the playoffs, they lost yeah. in the playoffs. Now, he also has a win over Lamar Jackson in the playoffs yeah. on the road. More coming as we wrap up and uh, look ahead to tonight's matchup with the World Series. We also look ahead to a couple of matchups in the SEC on OutKick 360. Is the most competitive game in the SEC this week with Ole Miss and Auburn? Oh, yeah. Or or could the uh, surprise game be Mississippi State-Kentucky? So that wouldn't even be a surprise, Hutton. According to FanDuel, Kentucky only a one-point favorite, Auburn a two-and-a-half-point favorite. 
So I think that's the I, most competitive game. I, I, I don't want to give too much away. I know okay. everyone eagerly anticipates my top 10 games of the week and where I have them ranked. But I was close to putting Kentucky-Mississippi State ahead of Cocktail Party. Mm. But I did not. Because we'll I, be there. <laughs> I, because I know who signs my checks. And, uh, I put we'll be them, there live. But I wasn't good enough to put them number one. I didn't do that. But I did have the Cocktail Party third. I did have I Ole do, Miss Auburn second. I do though. want to point out. I have Ole Miss Auburn ahead of Cocktail Party. I think there, there has been, and, and in some cases we have been at the SEC game of the week. What we're attempting to do is to hit the best or hit all of the possible SEC environments week to week. Well, and we're doing and so it. Jacksonville a, is a no-brainer based on the cocktail party and the tailgating that goes on. Yeah, it's a jigsaw puzzle of trying to align places we <laughs> haven't tough. been or places we need to go with the game of the week. Yeah, and then there are some weeks where there's just really no great game of the week. Like this past Saturday that we were here, so yeah, but that's uh, what we're attempting. I to think do. we would have been in Oxford this past week if we were on the road. Uh, we will be in Oxford later this season. There's no doubt. We have to make a stop in Oxford. Um, Tuscaloosa is probably back on the list at some point based on some matchups coming up. And then, uh, I mean, I'm just gonna throw it out there. Auburn, Auburn, Ole Miss is a great game, but there's also an Iron Bowl coming up. Are we not surprised by this Ole Miss Auburn spread? No. What is it? What is it now? Auburn's minus two and a half. Uh, not. I mean, Bo Nix is. I never saw Bo Nix turning around to this extent. He's been very consistent. Ellie's surprised by it. She she thought it should be you know Ole Miss minus twelve, going into this going on the road the way they played. I'm gonna I'm gonna. It's gonna be a great game, and I, I'm really looking forward to Kentucky. I'm gonna Mississippi make a State withdrawal also. at the bank and uh, go all in with. Lane train this week. Well, there was. Uh, I think. I think my financial Miss. future is with Lane Kiffin. Yeah, I'm betting that game right now. Money line. <laughs> well, there are some real uh, helter skelter teams this year. I, I'd put Kentucky on that list based on a couple performances where they won but were pretty bad. Uh, Mississippi State. I mean, Mississippi State lost to LSU and Memphis, two very average to below teams. But yet, you know, they have good wins. They yeah. beat Texas A&M. Yep. Um, they've looked really good at times also. So I think that's, that's going to be interesting because I think both Mississippi State and Kentucky, we have seen both the ceiling and the floor for those teams. And if they're both at their ceiling, I think it's a really good game. If one team plays well, we could have a blowout. The roof is the ceiling, Chad. The roof is the ceiling. Quick, o- opportunity uh, is nowhere. A uh, quick uh, news drop right here uh, as we wrap up this afternoon. Uh, the Texans are trading running back Mark Ingram to the Saints. So he is going back Saints are where what a it great all start. started. The Texans are trading, dot, 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 Mark Ingram, yeah. not Deshaun Watson. He is, uh, he's going back to New Orleans where it all started, and he'll pair with Alvin Kamara. The Saints are whole again, except for the Drew Brees part. I'm going to be completely honest. Part. I didn't know Mark Ingram was still in the league. Didn't know he was still playing. So well, it's hard him. to know anything that's going on with the Texans. Not paying a lot of attention to the Texans. So it's like a, a vacuum of players that uh, once won the Heisman can go there. And you don't even know they're still in the league. He is there. We, we, know, uh, we know Kamara is good on every down. I think you're trading for Mark Ingram to take some work off of Kamara on first down. On handoff situations where you want to get the run game going a little bit, gain some traction based on the field position, and you allow Kamara to be on the field more if you're trying to limit some of his workload because they don't have great options other than him. I mean, we saw that on Monday night. 
That here's an option for Speaking you. Speaking of Heisman, well, why is Reggie Bush a, a marketing guy still? Wendy's uses him in an advertising campaign. Because he's, he's he's still an advertising draw. You don't have to put his name at the bottom of the screen when he's on the screen. Did you know who it was <laughs> when you saw? Him? Well, the, I think the commercial starts off with Reggie Bush is standing out there wanting breakfast, but I, I don't I don't see why he's an advertising draw. I mean, he's he's football and non-football. I mean, he he dated Kim Kardashian for how long? Yeah. So if you're a fan right. well, of I, I reality the, TV, I didn't know the Kardashian part. Well, if you're a fan of reality TV, I mean, again, you're not supposed to know that, but there's value yeah. in that because he's recognizable. He does on the uh, he does the Fox Big Noon pregame show also with with Matt Leinart, his college quarterback. Let's try to get let's That's try to get Reggie on. How about that? Let's get him on the show. I'll ask him about his breakfast habits. We are back at it tomorrow. Armando Salguero will join us. Trey Wallace and more. Looking forward to a big Thursday edition on the show. Hit us up on Twitter in the meantime at Outkick360. Join us tomorrow, 2 o'clock Central, 3 o'clock Eastern, Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. Don't block the box. Do lock the locks.